Would you join me in prayer before we open God's Word together? Lord, we thank you this morning that we can gather together freely here in the name of Jesus and worship you and sing your praises and hear your Word and hear about what you're doing around the world. Thank you, Lord, for our church and for this place to meet. And Lord, thank you that you are a a living God and you're at work in our midst and you're at work around the world, drawing people to Jesus, taking a people to be a bride for your son. And Lord, thank you that by your grace, we get to be a part of that. You invite us to be co-workers with you, both here, uh, sharing with neighbors over the, the backyard fence and and sending missionaries, supporting missionaries around the world. So thank you, Father, that we are co-workers with you in building your church. And we pray that you would speak to each of us today. Lord, lift our hearts, inspire our faith, encourage us, speak to us, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you take out your, your sermon outline, the verse is the Great Commission in Matthew, Matthew 28. Jesus spoke to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the ethne, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you, and I'll be with you to the end of the age. Go and make disciples of all the ethne is the word, the word nations. And it doesn't mean political nation. Ethne is talking about a people group that share a common language and a common culture and a common way of life. And the experts that study this say that there are 17,000 ethne in the world today. 3,000 different ethne, distinct ethne, in India alone. And the Great Commission is fulfilled when every one of those ethne has the gospel available in their people group. And so the surprising thing that you may not realize is that according to the experts, there are still over 40% of the people in the world today who are part of an unreached people group. Less than 2% of that people group is Christian and is evangelizing and sharing their faith. And that's true of Cambodia, where we went back in March. 1.6% of the population of Cambodia is Christian. It's still largely unreached. And 75% of all the villages in the country have no resident Christian, have no church. And that's where a team of six of us went back in mid-March. And we worked alongside of Alliance missionaries, Sut and Sina Lao, who are having an amazing ministry there. And so we want to share with you this morning what we saw God doing, what God impressed upon us. And so in this order, we'll be sharing Jacob Butters, and then Marlene Nations, Jan Jones, Courtney Pagone through the miracle of videotape. They're now living in San Diego. And then Tim Nations and me. But before Jacob comes, we want to show a short video and introduce you to the Laos. Take it away. Hello, Aloha. <laughs> we are Sid and Sina, and uh, we work with the Alliance um, Mission, and uh, we settled in Cambodia since 1995. And currently, we moved to a new location called Anlongwang, uh, which is north part of Cambodia. We've been here uh, there a year and a half already. 
And we just want to thank you for your financial support to the Great Commission Fund, which keeps us in serving Cambodia, bringing the message of hope to lost people in that part of the area. So thank you so much. Good morning, church. So as you know, we went to Cambodia to partner with Soot and Sina, love and befriend them. Um, and I have to say that they are exactly like that in uh, real life. They are super friendly and loving and joyful, and it's like meeting a family the first time you get to know them. So they're patient. Oh, I forgot I have pictures. They're patient and loving and faithful to God. So that's it, and Sina. Super fun. Sina jumped up on this statue of a tiger that had been broken. It was just a foot, and she played the tiger for us. And so this is just a bit of what it was like to be with her. Um, it was never a dull moment. So they're just so fun, full of life, willing to give their time and support and love and energy to those that God has called them to serve. I got to learn a lot about them and about their lives in Cambodia, which I want to share with you and a little bit about their escape. Also talk about a time that the Spirit worked through us and through your giving, church, and country. Uh, Here's Sina patiently preparing us balut because she needed to make sure that we all had the real cultural experience of Cambodia. Balut, by the way, is awesome. Really flavorful. The texture is a bit rough, but um, I totally recommend trying it. And you're seeing working with the kids. She just has a a love for these children that I, I don't know how else to explain it. It is so like life giving, and the kids that see her, they're just filled with joy. And she's like a mother to them, to everyone, every single kid she sees. And here's Soot. He's um, the pastor for most of the people there. He's not only the pastor; he's also the worship leader and is basically leading the charge in discipling these uh, early Christians. So, about their escape. Both grew up in Cambodia until the Khmer Rouge took over in 1975. Sina's father went missing in action, and her mother was left with seven children. When the KR uh, had control of the country, they asked everybody to go back to their main um, homes for a census, which her family did, and 70 of them were systematically killed by the Khmer Rouge. Her mother, fortunately, was wise enough to hide the children and uh, procure a guide to get them to a refugee camp on the Thai border. In doing so, she sold everything, paid him 75% up front, only to be abandoned shortly after they started their trek. However, God had a plan for them and kept them safe as they walked through the forests and jungles for weeks living off the land. They ate roots, fruits, and herbs that they found, as well as any rice that they could buy along the way. They dodged tigers, monkeys, snakes, bears, Elephants, scorpions, and worst of all, the Khmer Rouge forces. But God saw them through, and they came to a refugee camp where Sina witnessed the love of Christ for the first time through the selfless caring of a nurse that was serving the refugees there. Eventually, she and her siblings were converted, made it to America, where she got a degree, became a nurse, met her husband, and then started to feel an urge to return to the country that she vowed she would never go back to when she finally left. Soot's story, a bit different. He doesn't talk much about his escape. Uh, Many in his family were either conscripted or forced to join the Khmer Rouge um, and died in the fighting. Knowing that there were refugee camps on the border, Soot, as he says it, being fed up with uh, the living conditions that he was in, decided to run away from home at the age of 12 and face the same same, uh, dangers that Sina had fleeing to a refugee camp, which he eventually made it to found an uncle, and got himself to America as well. When he was in the refugee camp, though, he met his first Cambodian Christians. And surprising to me, he spent most of his time there 
debating with them, telling them that they were traitors and that all Cambodians are supposed to be Buddhists and that it's not right that they would go for a foreign god. Little did he know that foreign god had a plan for his life. So fast forward a decade, Sina and Suet uh, have great jobs, a comfortable existence, relationship with the Lord, and assurance of eternal life. But they are being called for more. Sina chokes up as she recalls the weight of her heart for the people of her country. So many didn't know Jesus, and how could they experience the joy, renewal, and love that she has if somebody didn't go and tell them? So Suet felt the same, and the two left the peace, safety, comfort, and friends that they knew in America to move back to Cambodia and serve the Khmer people, including a young man we met one day when we were there. Uh, Sina with some kids. So the entire time I was in Cambodia, I was looking for some place to donate money that was given to me a few weeks before I left with one caveat, please bless a children's ministry. So on Tuesday, which is the Laos day off, by the way, but they just worked right through, uh, we went and visited an after-school program ran by Isaiah. Isaiah is my age, 26 years old, an assistant principal, substitute teacher, soccer coach, and spiritual leader for many Khmer children. When I walked into his ministry, I felt an impression that I was supposed to donate to this. Isaiah's story is fraught with hardship and loss. Orphaned when he was three months old and raised by his oldest sister, who also took care of her other eight siblings, Isaiah grew up feeling a void from not having parents and always at a loss for love from others. When he met Jesus, he realized that all the love that he'd always been looking for could be found in his new Savior. Now, he wants to share that love with as many children as he possibly can. So several days a week after his job, where he's working with children, and on Sundays, Isaiah hosts an after-school and church program for the kids in his neighborhood. So uh, while Pastor Tom, the kids, kids are, the kids are just amazing there. They're so loving. The one kid in the green, I don't know if you can see, but he's got a red string on his left wrist. That is called a spirit string, which you guys will hear a little bit more about. But it's real, it's a spiritual bondage that these people are going through. There's his house. Uh, so Pastor Tom was uh, doing a baby dedication for Isaiah's nephew. During that time, Isaiah was speaking off to the side with Sina. And after the dedication, I asked Soot if I could give money to Isaiah's ministry, which he agreed to. And after giving him the gift, I then found out what he and Sina were talking about. Isaiah needed money to buy new tables because the kids needed to do what he wanted to be able to help the kids do schoolwork, different arts and crafts, and whatnot. Sina said, okay, the Lord will provide. We'll speak to our group about that, and we'll see what happens. And, uh, and God did provide. Before she even mentioned what they had talked about, Isaiah had the funds in his hand. So the Holy Spirit was working through us, church. Three weeks before I left... And um, it is amazing. Praise the Lord and pray for Cambodia. Thank you. And they were the same age, 26 years old, huh? Hi, I'm Marlene Nations. And Long Vang, a small farming village at the border of the Cambodia and Thailand uh, border. This is the place where our CMA missionaries, Soot and Sina Lao, were called just a few short years after uh, starting over 15 churches in different cities of Cambodia. The call from the CMA mission board was a real leap of faith as there were no known churches in this small village in the outlying areas. Guess we'll just go. After a time of prayer, Soot and Sina decided to go, to follow God's leading. Little did they know that God had been working mightily there. This little area of God's planet needed Bible teachers. 
They were called to disciple his growing band of little Christians. Here's just one of the stories, and we've got lots of stories. Living there was a very angry, rude, wife-beating man named Mr. Kong with his eight brothers and sisters who hated him, as well as the neighbors who thought he was a despicable man. Picture one. Whoops. This is Mr. Kong. He is the darker man, second one in, in the white shirt. His brother is in the plaid shirt, and the three men in the back also have miraculous stories. But you're going to have to invite us over to dinner or to your small group to hear more about the wonder working with them and how God used them. In this testimony right now, though, Mr. Kong was about to meet Jesus in a very miraculous way. It all started with a believing wife who pleaded with Jesus to save her husband and five-year-old son who were buried alive in a cement kiln that was used to burn wood and make charcoal that they bagged for rich people in the city areas. These are the kilns that you can see, those two round um, mounds next to a little typical home. They were cleaning out the oven when it crashed down upon them. They were buried alive. These kilns dotted the countryside and were the source of income for poor families in the area. They were made of cement and about 10 to 12 feet in diameter, and they were very, very heavy. Many had crumbled in the past, and several people had died from the weight of the kilns falling upon them while they were clearing out the burned contents. Well, Mrs. Kong was drying off and taking a shower just a few yards away when she saw and heard the oven crash down upon her husband and five-year-old son, Judas. She cried out, Jesus, Jesus, save my husband, save my husband, as she went running to the crash site. Hearing her cries, some local neighbors came to the oven to help. They dug and dug and found Mr. Kong and pulled him out. The blood was pouring from his face and head. His eyeball had come out of the socket and was hanging by a nerve. He was taken by motorbike to a local clinic with a wet towel covering his head. They could do nothing for him. They were not equipped to help him. They went to three other clinics, and the same response ensued. Finally, they decided to take the three-long-hour trip by motorbike with a wet towel over his head to keep the dust from the dirt, dusty roads from caking onto his face to the big city of Simreep. There was a hospital in Simreep. Meanwhile, Pastor D heard about the accident and rode by motorbike to the hospital as well. They took him in, and the local doctors were hard-pressed to do anything. They covered up his eye again, and they started to gather a team of doctors to decide what the next step was. Meanwhile, Pastor D arrived and began to pray for Mr. Kong. He laid his hands upon him and asked Jesus, in the name of Jesus, heal this man. Well, Mr. Kong said that he felt a warming presence in his body and a pop in his eye. The eye had gone back into the socket. The doctors returned and said that they never would have known that there was an eye problem as it was clean. There was no infection. Mr. Kong could see as if it had never happened. Praise Jesus. The only remnant of the accident was the dry blood coming from his nose and his ears, which indicated a skull fracture, which also had no repercussions in his body. The medical staff was amazed at this miracle. 
Mr. Kong left the hospital praising Jesus. Jesus has healed me, he excitedly said and proclaimed. And then it started. Mr. Kong, known affectionately as Eyeball Kong, even today, (laughs) shared his miraculous testimony with his family who believed and everyone who came into contact with them. They saw a changed man. He became the community of Anlong Vang's best-known evangelist, from an angry, Christian-hating, violent man to a man of God used to start many home churches with his family first, and then spreading to local families, medical doctors, clinics, phone conversations with strangers, and even in work communities. His sister, Sim, this is the woman, we went to her house as well. She started a church in her village. The seeds were planted for the Laos to come in and to teach these fledgling Christians the word of God and introduce them to the gospel of Christ. Each week, the Laos go to these six or seven villages and teach these people about God, his goodness, mercy, justice, and unending love for them. We had a chance to see them in action in many of these little house churches. Oh, the miracle wasn't over yet. As Mr. Kong was taken to the four clinics and then to the hospital, five-year-old Judas was still buried alive. What next? His mom cried out to Jesus to show them where her son was buried and that he might be saved too. Jesus, Jesus, find my son, she said. Just then, a bright light shone from under the rubble. The neighbors dug frantically at that site and pulled out Judas. He was alive and unhurt. Praise be to God. This is little Judas with Sina a year later. Yes, God is good. God works miracles in ways in the poorest communities and brings people to himself in the midst of so much darkness and witchcraft and spirit worship that we saw all around us. God loves and cares for these people who are hungry for his word. The question is, are we hungry for his word? And we can be a part of this mission through the CMA. We were privileged to go and see firsthand. And Tom's going to tell you more about that later. But meanwhile, praise be to God for the miraculous working in Cambodia. Here's a picture of Mr. Kong. And here, and this is a wedding of his daughter, the first Christian wedding in the village. And we were the honored guests. Here, um, he is a changed man um, by the grace of God. And Cambodia is changing as God works his miracles and brings the harvest of souls for his glory. Thanks for being a part of it, and thanks for letting us be a part of it as well. Sorry, I lost the order. Sean's going to help me out because I'm challenged. Jum Ripsua, Kenom, Chamu, Jan. First, I wanted to thank you, family, for your generosity towards our team and towards Soot and Sina. Um, God really blessed our trip before it began. Our team was able to meet Soot and Sina at a luncheon at the Nations the week before we left. And so when we went, it was like going to meet family instead of strangers. So it was just easy. 
Um, we watched God provide as all 12 of the suitcases packed with the stuff that you donated weighed just under 50 pounds and all got there relatively intact. Um, since you were on this journey with us in prayer and in spirit, I wanted to give you a flavor of what the week looked like. Sit and Sina are uniquely equipped and gifted. They're tireless, they're kind, they're full of joy, and a little spunk. Their teamwork and love for each other is a testimony to these young believers of what Christian marriage looks like. Slide, please. Pass that slide. Next slide. Um, Our affable Christian driver, Paula, um, bounced us along dusty roads from village to village. Slide, please. And we felt God's hand of protection as we traversed bridges like this one. Slide. And we saw the evidence of Sut and Sina, of what they're battling there uh, as they make disciples in Cambodia. How they even get from village to village is a bit of a mystery, as there's no signs. Um, In fact, during the trip, Sina was so engrossed in her sharing that she lost her bearings, and Paula ended up having to pull a Yui on that narrow road, surrounded by deep ditches on either side, twice. And we all got back. Slide. Um, Sorry. On Sunday, we worshipped with the villagers, the dogs, the cats, the chickens, uh, in Sre Kandel. And knowing that these were young believers, it felt like we had been dropped right into the book of Acts. Um, The sweet spirit of the villagers as they sang reduced me to tears, and it wasn't the only time that happened. Slide. The lady in blue on the far right, uh, Marlene introduced you to, that's Mr. Kong's sister, Sim. Slide, please. When we returned to this village on Wednesday, Pastor Tom taught, Jacob gave his testimony, and we presented um, the wordless book Puppet Ministry for the kids and the adults. Um, The villagers blessed us with lunch, and the kids' ministry is ongoing on the platform in the uh, background of the picture. Slide. Sunday afternoon, we worshipped with the Tool Prick villagers. In addition to singing, Soot teaches. uh, He reads through scripture with them in chorus. They read it together and discuss the meaning, and then he begins his formal teaching. Slide. Since about 41% of the population in Cambodia are under the age of 15, there are always the kids. And since the average life expectancy is 57 years, there's an urgency to the work. Slide. On Monday, we spent the day at Mr. Kong's village, Andong Chan, where we did our first marathon puppet show uh, for both the kids and the adults. With Sina's help, we got better with age. Um, We worshipped, and both Tim and uh, Pastor Tom taught. Slide, please. Sina reinforced the wordless book message for the kids. My husband Lloyd had spent hours putting together about 200 necklaces um, that the kids are wearing. Um, Sina had cautioned us against giving expensive gifts, um, which might foster what she called rice Christians, people that come to church for what they can get rather than being committed to Christ. So I gave the necklaces to her to do with what she would, and it ended up that she delighted in adorning the kids, the women, the men, the elders. Everybody had a necklace. It was great. Slide. 
at the end of the day, there was a prayer service. One of the families uh, that we prayed for um, had a failure-to-thrive infant that was later hospitalized, and that hospital visit was paid for out of certain Cena's ministry fund. Slide. The final prayer was for the two girls in the foreground of this picture. Um, I had made a special nonverbal um, friendship with the girl in black, and um, I had... I just had sensed the way God was working that he might do something, but he chose to say wait that day, so I'm still praying for an answer for her and invite you to pray with me. Last slide. On Tuesday, we went on some home visitations of four families uh, in Toolprick, and in the afternoon, uh, we visited Isaiah's after-school ministry in Tool Crescent. Um, the home visits began at this country store, and Jacob is taking a picture of a water filter system. Cena buys these for about $75 um, out of their ministry fund and then provides them to the villagers for about $5. She also buys glasses, Bibles for the illiterate, and audio Bibles um, from these funds and then sells them to the villagers for cents on the dollar so that they have ownership and value the gift. Um, They could only pay her a very little bit um, at each time they see her. Um, She doesn't keep accounts, but she tells them they're on their honor to repay her. And um, if they don't, they're not robbing her. They're robbing God. And then she tells them the story of Ananias and Sapphira. (laughs) Told you she was spunky. Pastor Tom will tell you, or you can ask one of us if you want to get involved in that way in their ministry. It's separate from their support. I think the most important and personally convicting thing I learned from Sina is what she teaches the new believers. You cannot ride two boats, or as Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. Arkun, for coming on the journey with us. She had very little compared to families in the U.S., yet gave so much to show her appreciation. She put her needs secondary, just as Christ would and teaches in the Bible. I learned from watching Soot and Sina. Not anyone can become a missionary, but anyone can help one. Cambodia is open and ready to hear the word of God. We spent three hours or more at each village, worshiping with them and studying the word. Soot and Sina are doing God's work. I pray that we continue to pray for them and partner alongside with them. Jumrip Lea Church and Mahalo. Bye. Good morning, church. I'm just getting over a cold, so I sound a little bit like a bullfrog, but I appreciate Tom's reading of the scripture today about the the Great Commission and spreading the gospel to the nations. Of course, my last name being Nations, I always have appreciated uh, Matthew writing the book to me and my family whenever I was a teenager and a little bit prone to mischief after church one time uh, on the way out I told the pastor that I really appreciated him preaching to my family and we got to the car my mother turned around and said your name is going to change from Tim Nations to Termination if I don't (laughs) knock this off but this trip was very very different from the mission trips that I've been on in the past trips where you do construction or trips where we've done a lot of teaching this one if you're going to go on one mission trip this would be the mission trip to go on we went and followed and learned what the missionaries really do 
and then we filled in where the gaps were or where we could help, and it would change from day to day. We were told one time to prepare, get ready for a discipleship teaching, and we got there, and it was the different group of people. We're going to have to change and change the leadership. Well, that's great. My notes are here in Kailua, and we're in Cambodia, so you have to be flexible on this, but this was just excellent to see how much they really do give of their time, energy, and effort. First of all, as far as uh, physically, we were on the road driving every day for a couple hours to get to a home church. We would do in the 90 to 100 degree temperature, and this was the cool season. We would do a, a long service. At the end, you never knew what was going to happen. We had healing services at the end. We had baptisms. There would be infant dedications. You just went as this thing happened. And this is what they do, you know. Then you'd get in the car and drive for another several hours to another area and do the same thing over again. By the end of the day, we were exhausted, you know, and they do this every day that they're going on this. But I will tell you one story. This is a 7-Eleven. We're going on uh, what was going to be their one day off, which is Tuesdays. We, we went to do talk to some people about starting a new church, a new home church. Uh, so we went to this area and talked to the people at this little 7-Eleven that is actually quite interesting. Of course, right outside is there's the service station where you have little Coke bottles, and that's where they sell the gasoline and Coke bottles. You put it in your scooter or your little car that you have. A little bit different. It didn't say Chevron or Texaco on it, but that's still a service station. We went across the street, talked to some people, and they said, hey, you know, there's a guy down the street that you need to talk to. And so we went down the street, and here's his little farm. That's what he's growing, his peppers on this little farm. And this guy had been a bodyguard for the Khmer Rouge. Okay, so let's make sure we understand what's going on here. So during the Vietnam era, the Chinese came down through Vietnam, Vietnam being the economic powerhouse in that area, and then spread communism to Laos, Cambodia, and, and on. Well, the Khmer means Cambodia in their language, and Rouge is red. So this is the red, the communist Cambodians. Well, they came over and, and took, they took, kicked out the republic that had been there. There was great bloodshed. You probably heard of the name of Potpol, where there were at least three million people killed during this four-year period of when this, this happened. During this time is when Suits and Sina's family most of which were murdered by the Khmer Rouge. We're going to go talk to one of the guys who had been a leader in the Khmer Rouge. So there's a little bit of tension uh, when this happens. So uh, before we talk to them, they're, they're, this is, this is uh, going to be dried mango. This is what you get whenever you do this. Of course, you can't see the flies and bugs crawling on it, but you don't want to know that when you buy dried mango, but that's where they make it. And this is the fish and the, uh, the peppers drying. And here we are talking. We finally get over there, and we're talking to the, um, the bodyguard for the general. And here is this gentleman who's uh, approximately my age. And they had a conversation that was actually uh, very interesting. Um, it started out that he was, uh, I would say, a little bit standoffish. 
uh, and the fact that he would look at, and he goes, I became part of the Khmer Rouge in order to help my people. He didn't mention the fact that they killed three million of them, but I came here to help my people, and I stayed through two revolutions, and you fled and went to America and had the good life. Now you're going to come back here and bring this foreign god called Jesus and tell me about him. And, of course, that's just kind of how this thing started. Well, Suit just was very calm, and he goes, I fled for my life. Over 30 of my, over 30 of my relatives were killed. I was in a concentration camp and escaped from it whenever I was age 12 years old. I went to America and grew up, and there in America... Jesus found me. And he goes, and then it was very different because I realized when Jesus came into my life that it's not the kingdom that men make that's going to make a difference on earth, whether it's the Khmer Rouge, whether it's Republicans, Democrats. But what's going to make a difference is the kingdom of God. So I came back here to tell you and everybody else about the kingdom of God. And if you're going to continue, and of course this, this bodyguard was really upset about the modern, what's happening because of Vietnamese came over in 79 and kicked the Khmer Rouge out, put up a puppet ruler, and they're not too happy with the puppet ruler that's somewhat communist. You know, that's there. But he, 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 just, he, just, he told me, he says, as long as you follow the kingdom of men, you're going to have guns, greed, and death. When you follow the kingdom of God, you're going to have love, peace, and joy. And you can see the guy start turning and listening to this conversation as this goes. He goes, and Jesus, when he comes into your life, he brings truth. Well, this brings another whole thing. You would think that this little dirt farmer out in the middle of the sticks, I mean, really, this is in the middle of nowhere, wouldn't be able to carry this conversation. He goes, why don't you tell me about truth? Are you talking Buddha truth or are you talking Jesus truth? And he goes, well, let's get this straight. He says, Buddha was a man who observed things and he reported on how to live a better life. And, and we should need to be thankful about that. He goes, but Jesus created life. Jesus, God, created everything it was. He created you. He created me. He knows what is best for us, because he created us that way. He doesn't have to observe man and talk about man. Truth is whenever what you say, think, and believe equals reality. Right now, we're not in New York. We're in Kailua. Saying we're in Kailua is truth. Saying we're in New York right now is false. Truth is reality, and reality was created by Jesus. So he doesn't have to observe it. So there's a significant difference between Buddha and between and Jesus. And he goes, of course, the, the, general, the general's bodyguard didn't miss a beat, and he goes, but Buddha was 700 years before Jesus. So shouldn't he be more important? And he goes, he was born 700 years before Jesus was incarnated. But Jesus had already created things, and Jesus was incarnated to come and die for your sins. Die to be an example of how you need to, how you need to live. Come and, and finish the gospel message so that we can have eternal life. So we need to be thankful for this. So it was very interesting that at about that time, the, the bodyguard, and he said, well, 
I know that uh, Buddhism isn't real because all they do is come and ask for money and alms and alms and alms. It says that at least when you Christians come, you come to help. Big change in the conversation at that point. And, and he was really, I think, most of that conversation testing him, testing the, the missionary, most of that, because he didn't really believe in Buddhism to begin with. But he was testing to see what his answers were and to see what Christianity is about. By the end of this little conversation, uh, he was going, I want you guys, when you come back by, come by and visit, talk to us again. So this is an ongoing work right here, something worthy of our prayer. And, but this is what is, is going on every day in Cambodia. And Cambodia, do, do not be confused, is because of the, the communist background in Laos and Vietnam, which is closed to Christianity. We need Cambodia if we're going to get the gospel effectively into these other countries. It's going to be through Cambodia and Thailand. And so this is a very important place. Thank you for your time. One last testimony, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. And I want to tell you about a couple that have an amazing testimony that we met while there. And it was, it was a great privilege to come alongside Sut and Sina and help teach and feed these young, growing Christians. But the couple in the middle is Cain and Nguyen is their name. And they both have a background of, of Buddhism and spirit worship. And in their house, they had like little uh, altars to the idols, and they worship the ancestral spirits because Cain is from a Chinese ethnic background. They had spirit strings which they tied around themselves and their kids to ward off bad luck and things like that. And uh, Nguyen had all kinds of physical problems. She would be bedridden for months at a time, and so went to doctors, went to the spiritual healers, nothing helped Year after year after year, nothing helped. And so finally, last fall in October, she was desperate, and she heard about a baptismal service that some Thai Christians had come over the border, and they were doing some kind of big baptismal service. She had been literally in bed for the three previous months, sick, unable to get out of bed. She got taken to this baptismal service, and even though the gospel was not really clearly presented I guess she heard something about Jesus, and they invited people to get baptized at the end. And somehow she got up there, and when her feet hit the water, God worked a miracle. Despite her lack of real knowledge of the gospel, she said, I felt some energy surge through my body, and at that moment, God healed me. Now, that messes with my theology. How does that I don't know. But God is a big God, and God graciously healed this woman. And she went home healed and told her husband about it. And in the providence of God, that week later, they met a, a couple, a Cambodian couple, that were attending one of Sut and Sina's churches, said, you have to come. The next week, the whole family was there. And at the end of the service, they could not wait to go up to Sut and say, we want Jesus. Jesus healed me. We want to follow Jesus. And so Soot said, we can help with that, and led them to Christ. And and the whole family, that's their son there, they have another child, they embrace Christ, turn their back on the old ways, turn their back 
uh, on the ancestors and the idols and became committed Christians and are going on in discipleship. And Noon's family can't believe it. They said, what, what kind of medicine healed you? You know, how did you get healed? And she said, it wasn't medicine. She said, Jesus healed me. Jesus healed me. And her whole family is hearing the gospel now. The day after they got saved, they went home and they had these weird animal skins on their windows to ward off the evil spirits. And they had these shrines and altars. They got all that stuff and they put it in a bonfire and totally destroyed it, leaving their old life behind, following Jesus now. They experienced what 1 Thessalonians 1 talks about. This is a true conversion. You turn to God from idols to serve a living and a true God and to wait for his son from heaven, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So Jesus is still saving. Jesus is still healing. Jesus has lost none of his power. And it was just incredible to see up close what God was doing in the lives of these people. So if you take out your your sermon outline again, which is not really a sermon outline, but I want to clarify our missions program here at KCC. The Laos are alliance missionaries that are supported out of our giving to the Great Commission Fund, and there's their email. If you email them and say, hey, we want to get your prayer letter, they would be happy to add you to that. And then on the top right, that's their blog. And Sina updates the blog. All these stories we're telling are on the blog. And so I would encourage you to check that out and keep up with what God is doing through them. But these are amazing missionaries. They first went in 1995. They went to Poipet. And over their years there, they started 11 churches. And all those churches still exist. And once a month, they travel to Poipet and gather the leaders and the pastors and continue to provide ongoing training. Then they moved to Sem Reap. They started four churches there. And now in Anlong Veng, they are simultaneously shepherding four or five or six different churches, traveling to these churches every month. We already told you what happened under Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge. The church was wiped out, but now God is rebuilding his church. The church is growing again but there are still enormous needs. Only 1.6 of the population knows Jesus. And the Laos, like all Alliance missionaries, are supported out of the Great Commission Fund. Now, we support a lot of missionaries out of the general fund. If you give to KCC, you are supporting missionaries all around the world. But we're also part of the Christian Missionary Alliance, and the Alliance missionaries like the Laos are supported by only by your designated gifts. You have to designate for the Great Commission Fund. And we've raised our goal in the last two years to $100,000 to the Great Commission Fund. And we can tell you that Soot and Sina Lao are doing an amazing work in the power of the Holy Spirit. They're worthy of our support, our prayer support, and our giving. And so I invite you and encourage you to designate some gifts to the Great Commission Fund throughout the year. And I hope that we go way past 100000 this year in our support. How can you be personally involved? Well, be informed. And one good way to be informed about our missionaries, like I said, is to email them and say, hey, add me to your prayer list and they'll send you their prayer letter. Another good way is through Alliance Life magazine or A Life. This is our denominational magazine, comes out monthly, always has updated stories about missions and what God is doing around the world. 
There's a free subscription if you subscribe hard copy, or you can just go to A Life, uh, CMAlliance.org, A Life, and read the online edition. Um, we also have a, a newly updated brochure that's available uh, in the racks there on the literature table. World Missions of Kailua Community Church provides information about the Alliance missionaries we support. And so here are the, the CMA missionaries that we currently consider our missionaries that we support. Uh, the Laos, the Bowers in France, the Icas in Serbia, Martin Joanna Chaya, who are reaching out to Muslim immigrants in Barcelona, Spain. And then he is also coordinating outreach uh, all through Western Europe to the Muslim immigrants there. And then on the back are all the missionaries you already support through your giving to KCC. Out of our general fund budget, we support these missionaries a certain percentage. So, so be involved, get involved, and we do intend to take some future trips back to work alongside Soot and Sina. So if you're interested in possibly going along on one of those trips, let me know and would love to include you in one of those future trips. But as we close, and we'll close in prayer, um, aren't you glad that we are part of a church that every year we give 20%, all of our giving, 20% of it goes to support missionaries and missionary outreach, sharing the gospel around the world with people who don't know it. So thank God for KCC and that we are um, working to spread the gospel all around the world. So would you join me in prayer? And while we pray, I'll, I'll invite those who are helping with communion to come up and prepare the communion table. But let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that we live in a place where we have access to the gospel. Thank you that there are churches and Christian radio, Christian TV. Lord, thank you that we have access to the good news of Christ. And Lord, thank you that we are already involved in getting the good news to the dark half of the world that's cut off from gospel access. Thank you, Lord, for the generosity of this church in supporting missionaries around the world. And Lord, we want to be faithful. We, we want to excel. We want to do even more. And so, Lord, help each one of us uh, to be supportive and prayerful and, and generously investing in the sharing of the gospel around the world. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to close with a benediction this morning. Romans 15, verses 5 and 6. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name I pray, amen.